Welcome to the Making It Podcast, a show for the DIY generation of actors and filmmakers designed to help demystify Hollywood and help all of us live the life we've dreamed. Let's jump in. Hello, uh, this is Matt Fowler. Thanks for joining me for the first episode of the Making It Podcast, where we are going to explore the life of actors who do so much more. I'm here today with uh, my good colleague, Peter Birube. Oof. Is that... No, that was close. <laughs> is it French? Birube? It's... Okay. There's so this so is the many. thing that I tell everybody. The American way of saying it is Birube, but it's supposed to be Berube. Berube. But just say Birube, because you sound like a... Berube. Yeah. Berube. It has to roll off the tongue. But right? it doesn't fit in how we communicate with... English. Right. It doesn't make sense in our sentences. It's right. why I say Barubi. Right. Although Got there's it. another guy in town that says like Barub. Oh. Which like totally takes the culture out of it. But uh, Oh, we'll get into that guy maybe later. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> let's right. let's stay positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First episode yeah. we wanna yeah. go come in up top. Um uh Peter is uh, an actor, uh director, writer, producer, fight choreographer, um, as am I. Um so, uh, and this is his lovely uh, recording space. And um, yeah, so let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, I'm really interested in kind of like what what brings uh, artists to to the craft. You know, I, I feel like there are little moments that if you if you think back on in your life that you can kind of point to um, and say well, that might have been a seedling mm. to why I ended up doing this crazy, crazy profession that is you know, the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think? Or, well, mine, I don't have a seedling for why I chose the entertainment industry. I have a seedling that is more about why I approach the entertainment industry the way I am. Um, so what, So choosing the entertainment industry... I have a very weird story because I don't feel like I had a choice. Hmm. I really just, as a little kid, had this idea. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So much so to the point that, like, even when I wasn't doing it, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to make movies. That's what I'm going to do. Really? And um, I never had any desire to be anything else. I never gave it any other thought. There was no question of, like, what I was going to do when I grew up. I just, I was going to do that. And I, the only thing that I ended up doing, because I had zero fear about it, I, when I was in fourth grade, I hosted my, like, school talent show um, and just went and did that. Hosted and then, it? In yeah. What? They were, like, fifth graders and sixth graders, all that stuff. And I was like, no, guys, I got this. My grandmother made me this, like, beautifully sequined blue vest that I wore. And I told jokes and what? hosted this talent show. Um, and then from there, and the reason why I think it's so funny that I was so sort of like flippant about the fact that I was just going to do this and I'll do it when I was ready, was in like junior high, I had the opportunity to do theater, but I didn't do it. I was like, meh, I don't feel like doing it yet. I'll be doing it plenty of time for the rest of my life, so I'll really? just wait. And then I had a moment in high school where I was dating a girl who helped out with tech with the, um, it was called the Lamplighters, which was like our theater department. And 
she was like, hey, like they're going to do auditions. And I was like, okay, I'm finally going to start my career as an actor. <laughs> and so you were like, you were, you were holding off, I waiting was, until the opportune moment till you were yes. like already planning career moves as right. a high schooler. So I had the experience of going up on stage and just nailing it. And, like, feeling 100% in my element. And they were all like, who is this kid? Because it was my, it was the end of my sophomore year. Mm. And they were like, I don't understand why you haven't been here this whole time. And I was like, I was just doing other things. Um, and then from there, I, like, went and continued to um, act and perform. And I was always making movies, even when I wasn't doing the Lamplighters program. Like, anytime I had... In high school. In high school. Wow. Anytime I had a project to... I turned it into a movie. So it was like, it was an English assignment about Henry David Thoreau. It's like, I made a anti-Henry David Thoreau campaign because I don't like Henry David Thoreau. Um, we and didn't I, even have, I feel like I didn't even have movies in Vermont when I was like in high school. Like We didn't have a program for that. We didn't have... I have in this closet VCR tapes of my original movies. <sighs> That I don't know how to get off of the VCR. Oh, man. We got to get those converted, dude. Yeah. <sighs> One of the first things I made was this. Um, I made a version of Clue that I played all of the characters. What? And I recorded it in my house. And I did the cuts in, in the camera, old school way right? in camera. So yeah. I would like record the cut. And then I would do the next scene and then cut. Um and I just had this conversation playing eight characters by myself going around, like, reenacting my version of Clue. That's so funny because I was just – I was at a, an audition yesterday and I was daydreaming about writing a script where I, like, read the script and then it goes into, like, a daydream of how I actually read a script, which is me playing every character. Mm. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> that same kind of way. But to get back to the seedling thing – when I was in junior high, and this was before I decided again to like actually approach being in the business, um, I remember walking to the bus, and it's like a totally random day, but I had this epiphany that no matter how hard I worked, I was never going to be able to do all the things I wanted to do in one lifetime. Like, it's, it's impossible. And that idea put me into a sprint for the next few decades of being like, there's no possible way that I'm going to be able to be an actor, a writer, director, a painter, a photographer, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, so I just had to do it all as much and as fast as I possibly could for forever. <laughs> Seems um, like it. Right. But that's also been my issue because I have had people trying to, no, not trying to, telling me, like, you need to slow down and you need to, like, focus on this thing and do just, just rein it in a little bit. Yeah. And you will go so much farther because I feel. Like, I have a lot of friends that, like, respect me for, like, the amount of work that I do. But, um, you know, 
every every plus has a minus and my minus is kind of like if you imagine approaching your career like filling this bucket right okay some people feel like they're in a situation where they've got a faucet and it's just doing a drip at a time and they're like oh man this bucket is just never going to get full because the faucet like just drips one drip at a time and the ultimate goal is to like just have a, a nice steady stream so you can just fill that bucket nice and slowly i am trying to fill my bucket with a fire hose so when you sit there and you go okay I've got this fire hose worth of energy and inspiration and the constant need to create. And I'm aiming at this bucket and it will not retain water because it's just flipping all around. It's just flipping all around. You're like, oh, well, maybe if I angle it or if I shoot it up in the air, it's like no matter what I do. There's water in the bucket, but the bucket is not retaining water. Bucket is not retaining water. Skin deep already, man. This is just episode one. I know. Wow. So that has been something that I've grappled with. But again, coming back to that seedling question, that idea is burnt so deep into my psyche that if you were to say, Peter, all right, just acting. Acting is a full-time job. Committing to the career of acting is a full-time job. Like we had a great marketing workshop that you did um, a week or so ago. And I was looking at all the stuff that I can do, and I'm like, man, rehauling all my different reels and rehauling all my voiceover reels and rehauling my websites and rehauling my actors' access. And, and I'm like, wow, that is a good couple of months' work. Yeah. And I would be bored out of my mind <laughs> if I was only doing that. Right. Um, it just, it just isn't. See, I feel like enough. I kind of, I feel like I kind of come from like the opposite like end of that spectrum where like I kind of created like started creating to fill a void as opposed to like I have to do this it was more like I have nothing to do so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start making my own stuff you know yeah um it's interesting very interesting well it's funny because I but I I see what and I, and I think it's good advice, whoever's giving you the advice of of trying to, like, focus down. Um, and, and I've seen actors like um, like Ace, um, he used to, uh, he produced a couple features and um, he used to do quite a bit of producing. And I feel like he's kind of reined that in a little bit. Mm. And uh, although he's now producing the Game of Thrones musical. but. Yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely feel like it, it could be beneficial. Um, but it's so hard because, like, like you said, there's so much cool stuff that that's going on, and and you never know which one of those opportunities is gonna, you know, is gonna open another door. Right. Um, especially like with the, the just so you guys know, um, Peter started a, a film collective recently. Uh, what was it three months ago? Something like that. Yeah. Free parking films is is the name that we voted on. Um, and uh, we're just doing insane amount of, of stuff. It's just people that are basically uh, just there to uh, help facilitate uh, stuff getting made. Um, but uh, going back to you never know which doors are going to open. Like We did a real shoot day recently, um, which was phenomenal. And I didn't know a lot of the actors that were there. But just seeing them, they're in my mind now. Mm-hmm. As far as like, you know, when I'm casting my next thing, I'm already seeing those people 
yeah. you know, in my head. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting in that way. Um, as far as you never know which one of those is, they're, they're going to, you know, see, well, uh, think the... I, and like, well, for instance, with the Don, you know, I was looking for, uh, a character for the Don and being around you working with you at the, the film group, I was like, Oh, it's Peter. That's the actor that I need for that. Like he's, he's the one, uh, but that wouldn't happen if we weren't stretching ourselves thin as a wire, man. Right. <laughs> well, here's the thing, man. Like that becomes a debate because I am so happy with what I do. And, you know, there's no one way. There's no one way. You know? No, there, there but isn't. But it's honing. It's figuring out which way is is the best way for for each person is to really. Well, it's one of those things where it's like you have to. There's no right way to do anything. I think it just it comes all... down to what you really want is really honing in on that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, um, well, it's it's what you want and it's like the right answer is only re- in relationship to the thing that you want to do. Right. So I have been doing the right thing in the regards of like, oh, wow, man, I make a lot of art and I am incredibly satisfied by that experience. The things that I'm not satisfied with are all of these different steps about um, moving my career forward. And it really comes down to feeling like an outsider of the industry while at the same time being in the industry. Like, I would like to be doing more projects that um, are have studios involvement or like or on on, on a network Um because I want to move past the level that I'm in because I already know how to do this. Right. Like, these challenges are so fun. Um, and I, I am definitely someone that is, like, inspired by challenges. Um, but at the same time, I have had the experience recently of realizing, you know, you get more focus on what kind of artist that you want to be. And I am so much more interested in being someone like Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. Because he is an actor's actor. Right. He's not like the mainstream culture is not obsessed with him. He's not in the media. You won't hear a single thing about him. He does a few handfuls of films, period. And the reason why I'm so much more interested in that is because I've come to the conclusion that I just don't understand the relationship between artists and fans. Hmm. Like, I love and thrive off of very, like, connected and genuine relationships. So I don't know what it means to have a series of thousands of one-way relationships because they're having a relationship with you. You're not having a relationship with them. And I don't I don't want them to have a relationship with me if it's going to be one-sided. That hmm. feels weird and selfish Hmm. like i like being respected but i like being respected by people that really know me yeah um and i you know and and i'm not saying that like i don't appreciate when people respect my work um and i absolutely know that i want to continue to be on larger platforms and and have my voice out there more while simultaneously being aware of not understanding 
the idea of fan culture. Well, so then, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just keeping that, that want at the forefront of your mind and then finding somebody who fills that gap as far as understanding fan culture and, Mm. you know, being able to do that. It's just finding the right pieces of the, of the team. You know what I mean? I I feel like that's, it really is, man. As an actor, you really have to, and it's hard. It's, it's not easy as you know, LA is just so, so many people. Um, and it's, and it's a very, uh, quick, um, gratification that people are looking for in relationships in, uh, Mm. In, you know, professional and uh, and non-professional relationships, uh, that uh, it's tough. I mean, you know, you ask, you know, most actors that are in LA that are that are working, and it's like they've been through, you know, ten or fifteen, twenty agents and managers. Mm-hmm. I've never had a manager. It's like a unicorn to me. I just I have no idea yeah. where these managers are hiding. Wow, where they come from, what I, I know what they do, and I, I'd like to have one just so that I could delegate a, a few of the things that I don't want to be focusing on. And, and, I, and I think that that goes back, you know, with the free parking films, it's like I know that you're trying to, you facilitated this group um, to make things, but I know that you're also trying to make it a self-sustaining group that you don't have to, run and be the lead man on every single project Mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be really important for you moving forward uh because if you can if we can make that group a a strong group that is self-reliant then you know you're going to be able to pop in act or direct or fight choreography and pop out and continue to stay focused on your three things that you want to do um it's well, going to be a great year. I'm I'm really excited uh, to see everybody's progress moving forward. And these workshops are fantastic. It, it reminds me of like, I, I studied with Barbara Bain for a little while. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with her. Um, she was um, Martin Landau's wife. And she was on the original Mission Impossible. She was one of the actresses that started the Actor Studio West. Oh, great. She's Juliet Landau's mom. Um, and she studied with... Uh, uh, Strasburg in New York, right? So she would always tell us stories in her class about like them just being in New York, just being in each other's apartments, just fucking screaming at each other, you know, mm-hmm. every single day, you know, they'd be working on stuff. And it, I feel like it's the same in the UK um, where they've got this constant community of, of acting and and it's so hard to find that in LA. It's so hard to and and to keep that you know moving forward in a in a positive yeah. way. Um, but I feel like we're on the right on the right path with uh, with free parking. With with these workshops are just so beneficial and you know. they're great, man. The community, you know, you brought up two really great points. Like, oops, oh no, um, the community is a really key element because. That's how you book... Mute your phone. Huh? Mute your phone. That's how you book jobs. Like, just being out there. Right. Um, So, I'm doing a a new reading of a a play on Monday because I went to a friend's show 
and talked to a person there. And she was a director who did a production, Macbeth, that I went and saw. And we're Facebook friends. And she had seen stuff of mine. And now I'm going to go act in this reading. And that's kind of how it happens. But that only happens from me going to the fringe and supporting other people. And is the fringe going on right now? No, not, no, this past fringe. Oh, the last one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Last oh, because you saw the Macbeth June. Then. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Um so but what you were talking about about having a team is also really important. And that's something that I know, like I have an agent and I've had agents and they have gotten me out okay commercially speaking, but I'm not really interested in being a commercial actor. Like, I know you can make money do it, but, yeah. like, I have no desire to, t- to say one-liners about pizza or this car company. I yeah. just, like, I get it, and I appreciate it, and if the work is there, awesome, but it's not um, what I'm inspired by. Yeah. Uh, so I want to find, like you're saying, this unicorn of a manager. I want to find people that are really phenomenal at the sides of the business that I'm not, because right. that's how you make this really good team. Everybody's really good at their jobs. And I don't care if, like, my manager is all about trying to, like, get me out and, like, do different things. I I have to hold on to my authentic self as an artist because that's the only thing that you have. Yeah. Like, because there are so many different people, you know, I, I have tried to take so many different people's advice about how you post on social media and how you do this. And I will take aspects of it being like, oh, the branding, that's great. Being really precise precise about branding, that's something I can do. But man, I'm not going to spend all my time on Twitter. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's much more beneficial to, to be working and creating and going and, like you said, seeing art you know, going to shows, yeah. you know, w- going to premieres, watching people's movies, being engrossed in it as opposed to tweeting about it. Well, you know there's what a I benefit mean? of it, man, because a lot of people have done really well because they are good at telling people what they do. Right. I am not that person. I have found that I'm the exact opposite. I have spent all of my time getting good at my craft. Yeah, and other people tell me what you do. Like, your musical that you created. Like, you never told me about that, but three other people did. Oh. Like, that I was, that I was, have been working <laughs> well, on. Well, see, that is the perfect example. So, like, when I started going, uh, after the marketing workshop, I started going through my social media stuff being like, all right. I got to focus this in. I got to create separate channels. And I realized, and this is just a general truth about me as a person. I'm like, I'm too much. It's, it's, it's too much to consume the things that I'm working on or posting about or like inviting people to. And when I isolated my images being like, okay, these are just my like acting photos. When I looked at just my acting photos, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This person makes sense. I could look at this person and go, ah, I get it. Yeah. And like when I look at just like I have a I have a, a photography Instagram, and it's Whoa. like the only thing I've isolated. And I go, oh, when you look at my photography, this makes sense. But if you have my photography mixed with all the other stuff. Well, that's what kind of got me. 
about your website is you have a really beautiful directing cinematography reel on your website that's like your main reel but i know you as an actor so right. you know it's like got to like go search in there to find it's that it's too much too much work it's so much and that's and that's a like like i said that's a great problem to have because you know i was talking i had a meeting with my agent today um and you know she was cuz i just joined sag today Oh, that's um, awesome! Great, yeah. congratulations! Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's uh, been a long time coming, and um, yeah, man, it's still not really hitting me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyways, she was talking about all these you know clients that she had that are SAG that don't have any credits, that don't have any footage for their reels, that are already SAG, and they got SAG because they were extras, you know. Mm. I would, and I was telling her, and it's not to sound boasting or anything, but I'm like, most of the projects that I work on, I've got literally double the credits of any of these other union actors. So as far as like, and, and so th- I'm at a point where real wise, it's like, I've got so much fucking good shit mm-hmm. that I have to like, f- it's so hard to find the best stuff, the stuff that's like, yeah your type and like really grabs them and it's i'm just i'm just fascinated by it i i I like marketing i think if i wasn't an actor i would really enjoy being in marketing well we should Um, definitely keep talking because yeah that is the thing that i am i i have that same issue of like i look at the things that i really love and and you know, I'm in that same boat of like, I have so much material. I don't know, especially for voiceover. I do a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. And man, I I have hours and hours and I have so many clips and I like, I'm on voices one, two, three. So I'm like constantly recording new clips. Like, I don't know which of the hundreds of clips that I have right. are the best for my two minute selection. Right. And I also don't want to do the thing where I put so much in that two minutes that you're like, what? I, exactly. It's, it's too much. It's tough, man. Um, it's tough. It's, it's... But that kind of brings us back to the beginning of the conversation and, and the weird problem that I I have that my friends talk to me about. And, you know, like my friend Pamela will say this to me all the time. She's like, I wish I had the problem that you have of like always wanting to be doing things. And I'm like, dude, I have just as many downfalls with with the way that I operate as like someone that's not doing anything. Right. Um, because regardless, like you can go, wow, you've done all of these different things, but it hasn't moved me anywhere. You can do that. What do you mean? Yeah, you can say that. Yeah. You shouldn't say that, but you. it seems like you do say that to yourself. But it has moved you. Well, you've been able to attract hard, all these gigs and people to your life because of the fact that that you operate that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. Like I had an interesting experience um, a couple of years ago where uh, it's like, oh, it was only two years ago. Um, I decided I was going to be in New York. We had just put up our musical at the New York Fringe and I was now going to be living in New York City. And we had put all our money in the show. I was like broke. And I'm like, now I got to live in New York. I don't know 
what the fuck I'm going to do. And in order to kind of get out of that funk, I was like, all right, regardless of whatever my life looks like, I can always make art. <clears throat> so I uh, created the 52 week art challenge, which was, I was like, I'm going to do a new project every week for a year. And I did it and I did it on top of developing the musical and on top of doing all of the gigs that I was doing to make money and working. Um, <clears throat> and the funny thing about it was I went and create and I took on this really massive mountain of a challenge. And it was, it was fantastic for me as an artist because I really got to get specific about my voice because every week I was like, what do I want to make? Why do I want to make that? You know, like, who am I making this for? You, you get really focused about like what you have to say about the world and what things you're passionate about. Mm. And the funny thing is, is it just kind of disappeared into the ethers. And, you know, I would put stuff up and I would have this really interesting experience where it's like, I would do this thing and I would collaborate with somebody and I would share it to my community and it would get no response. The person that I sh collaborated with would share it and all of a sudden it would become huge. And I started seeing that me being tied to things made stuff just kind of go blah. And I started, well, I'm going to get into re the reason why. And it's a good reason, but it's a weird reason. So I did, one of the projects I did was this photography series where I took statue, uh, took photographs of statues and I digitally repainted the statues so that they looked like human beings. That's cool. And I didn't know how to do it and I went and did it. <clears throat> and the only response that I got was from my friend Luis. And the only thing that he said was, of course you did. <laughs> Which is... A wonderful, like, compliment that, like, my community thinks so highly of me. Right. But also sucks because I started to realize that there was nothing that I could do that would get any kind of emotional response from anybody. I don't know, man. Because, well, I got it from strangers. Yeah. I got it from people that just met me. But from people that knew me. Yeah, you got to be, like, naked, like throwing poop at the wall. No, but, but I had this conversation and I've had this conversation many times with my friends. And even when I was studying acting um, at school, you ever played the game Psychiatrist? I don't know. So the game Psych play it. Psychiatrist, we can't play it with two people. Ah, oh, damn it. Game Psychiatrist, everybody sits in a circle and you pick a pattern like the first person to your left or two people to your right. But the idea is that you pretend to be that person and somebody that leaves the room and they come back and they have to figure out the pattern. But really what it is, it's an exercise of people making character choices about who you are as a person. Hmm. They are making you into a character. Right. And the through line of Peter as a character is that Peter will do anything. <laughs> I can see it. And, can and, see and it. it's one of those things where it's like... The only through line of Peter is you don't know what he'll do. <laughs> and it is possible that if you heard a story that I did something, you might just believe it. I mean, I... which, which, it's interesting. 
so I'm fascinated by like first impressions of people. And I started realizing after having conversations with people about first impressions, like why I have built that story. So my friend Emma, we were drinking at a bar one time with a bunch of other friends. And she was like, man, I remember when we were first hanging out, you took me on this night hike in the middle of the woods and you were talking about how you wanted to fight a coyote. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow, would you repeat it back to me? <laughs> it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds a little off. I don't um, know about off. It sounds great. So moral of the story is when I went and did this massive art project, um, I, again, had that respect from the community, but it, it, it just, the emotional response wasn't there. So like there are some people that like are totally hot messes. And if they get up in the morning, everyone's like, oh, my God, you did it. Like, good for you. Like, oh, my God, you showed up to something on time. You're a hero. And it is just this worship party right. because they are typically a mess. And now they're not a mess. I may be off and weird, but I'm not a mess. I get a lot of shit done. I'm a very capable person. And because of that, there is nothing... I want to say nothing, but like this is what the emotional resonance feels like. Um, I could tell you that I wrote a feature film overnight, and you would go, "Okay, yeah," and and that's and that's kind of it. Yeah, and like so, I even when I was like in my worst of times traveling around the road, my best friend of thirty years, um, I was going through all of this hardship and depression and like crazy stuff. But the problem is, is like, I always get up the next day, regardless of how I'm feeling. And he was like, listen, man, like, I know you're going through all this stuff, but I didn't really know what to say because you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, you're always going to be fine. Right. So I want to hear you, but I also know you're going to be fine. And, um, that leaves you just in a really interesting place where you feel like you are creating in a vacuum hmm. all the time yeah, for a good reason. Yeah. And you want to accept that good reason. But at the same time, it's really frustrating when you are trying to move your life forward or, or have some kind of um, dance with the audience or relationship with the world. I think... I think um, I think you should uh, focus on getting some of your work in some of the local LA festivals, the film festivals. Um, they are a great like I got uh, Darla into Shriekfest last year, and I was there for four days, and I just I got to meet all these other directors and writers and mm -hmm. actors who were also producing that kind of stuff and it it was awesome because I, I was in the same place with it I had had it online I had shown it to people I had gotten decent response uh, more so from my producing partner as well yeah and it wasn't until I got it into the festival and it was on the big screen and there were all these people there that you know people showed up that I did know people showed up that I didn't know that was really fulfilling and uh 
And yeah, it just made me feel like it wasn't in a vacuum anymore. It made me feel like it had a purpose. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so it'd be, I th- it'd be really cool for us to try to try to focus on getting some of these films into festivals that are not free parking. Totally. Festivals, I, you know I've, what I mean? I've had the, the festival experience, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I know that just like every human being, the issues in our lives are self-made. They are the results. Sometimes. and Most the, of the time. Right. Yeah. Um, Except for death and right. disease. Um, you know, it, again, it comes down to that sort of like blessing and a curse kind of experience. So, yeah. like, when people ask me about what I've got going on, I don't really know what to tell them. Just tell them everything, dude. You just got to start vomiting off at the mouth. No, really. but the problem is, though, just is like, it. I don't want to... So if I was going to go talk about what I'm doing... Do it. Do it to camera next, right now. Next week. Do it. I'm serious. I'm going to try to remember it. Give it a, give it a pitch. So... Oh my you God. can't do it directly to camera because we have to say it. The no, I know. Um, so this weekend we have Game of Thrones the Musical. We've got two shows this weekend. Game of Thrones the Musical at the Matcha Theater in West Hollywood. It's a musical parody of Game of Thrones where we both play the same character in two different casts. Jamie Lannister, a.k.a. Yeah. Kingslayer. So, um, this is the problem is I don't even remember what my schedule is. That's why I use my calendar so much. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, Monday I have a photo shoot and the table read. Tuesday I am shooting a short film that I'm in. Wednesday, Wait, you're in it and you're shooting it. I'm in it. Oh, you're oh you're acting in it. I'm okay, acting great. In it. Yeah. Um. Wednesday is some other film. Wednesday project. we have the bottle scene meeting. Wednesday of production that for... you're shooting. You're DPing on that. Right. Thursday we're shooting the dawn. Yeah, we might not be able to. I have a voiceover session that just came in, but totally fine. We may have to push that, but. Um, and it just keeps going, folks. It just keeps going. And this is what he's talking about, yeah. about focusing in. I mean, it's it's amazing because we created, you created this thing. Now it's blown up. It's this giant, working, moving monster that's creating all this awesome shit. But now it's like, get them off the plate, focus. I'm, and then you've got this pilot, this sci-fi pilot that you, you oh. emailed me about that I'm super excited to hear about. <laughs> I wrote a pilot this month. Um, so I'm also writing for a feature. This is what I'm talking about. I'm writing a book. Now, are you ghostwriting on that feature or are you writing it? Writing. Writing it. Can you explain to me what ghostwriting is? Because I wanted to get into that. I mean, I've got a couple friends that ghostwrite. It's basically, how does that work? So ghostwriting is basically you're paid to kind of like punch things up and fill in holes. So, so the, it's, it's already written. It's already written. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, sometimes it's not. Like, sometimes a ghostwriting situation can be like somebody wants to do an autobiography, but they don't want to actually write it themselves. And so, like, they'll talk out loud and you'll write, but you'll ad lib and change and so on and so forth. Um, ghostwriting for um, features and so on and so forth is. Uh, You know, you get this script and they've got the team of writers and you are basically when I've when I've done ghostwriting, they'll send me the script and I'll go through and then I'll have a meeting with the writers and being like, all right, well, like this is what I see and this is what's working and this is what's not working. And I can go and fix all of these things, not receiving a writer credit um, 
And that's kind of what you do for this amount of money. For right? this amount of it's money, it's hired gun. Yeah, you're a hired gun to like or finish it, fix or... their stuff. Right. Yeah. And how did you get into that? Um, just from writing things on my own. So it's like I've I've sold a couple of short films, and I've I sold a feature film that got made a couple of years ago. Nice. Um, so I started off with that, and then just continuing to write. I write constantly. Yeah. Um, that's something that this this uh, film group has been really beneficial for me is like the, the the prompts the you know the monthly prompts are it's been just great to, to yeah. just keep doing that tool using that tool and and sharpening it um, well that's the whole thing know. man writing really is a practice yeah. and when you get into the groove of writing you you don't realize how much you grow but I've had the experience of developing scripts over a long period of time. And I will have done rewrites on something, and then I will not look at it for a month. And then a month later, I'll look at that same scene and go, who wrote this fucking garbage? And I'll go through and I'll fix it so easily and yeah. go, oh, I know where this idiot was trying to go, but like, man, I've got what think. an idiot. And then like a month later, I'll go back and I'll have the same experience of being like, God, what an asshole I was. And then I go and pol- and you just, you get really good at doing nuanced things quickly. And that's kind of the tool that you gain from yeah. doing it so much. But the only way that you, you get to that point it's is you have to, doing it. you just have to be willing to write garbage. Yeah. You have to sit down at a computer and go. It's the same through line that I hear from every single writer that I'm like, how do you do that? They're like, you just, Write every day or almost every, you know, write all the time. It's going to be garbage. Just keep writing. Just keep writing. Just keep writing. And then it gets better. And then it gets great. And Well, man, it's also, it's, it's really, I'm such a firm believer in taking tangible steps. I don't like making plans to make plans, which is why I get so much stuff done. Is like, I don't want to have a conversation about how we're going to set up a plan to go and do this thing. <laughs> right. Like, Amen. Like, pick a date. Let's do it. It's yeah. not it's not that complicated. Yeah. But so this pilot was an idea that I've had for a really long time. And I've like molded over in different ways and features. And it's constantly pushed itself to the back burner. And I finally, um, the end of January, was like, all right, I'm going to do my, I'm really going to commit to doing my bigger projects. So I just wrote for an hour every morning. And it took me like, Two weeks of writing an hour every morning. And then it was done. That's amazing. And so you go, oh, wow. That happened super fast. All I had to do was just do it. Yeah. And and not be afraid of taking on the mountain. Because yeah. that's what people that's don't do stuff. Is they get overwhelmed with that emotion of like, oh, it's all so much. I've got 45 pages of this script that I've been writing for fucking two, two or three years. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just... Uh, you got to be willing to play, man. Just got to push the... through it and just write crap, you know, and finish it. And then I can go back and get it, you know, yeah. somewhere where I want it, I feel like. Well, I've talked with somebody, I don't remember who it was recently, but I was talking about writing is so much of a dance is how I see it. So I I walk into it being like, all right, I know I'm writing this scene about this idea, I ultimately want it to end here. Picking back up on the video. 
We may have had a cut there, but uh, we'll find out where it was. Talking about writing. So writing is this dance. So you start off with the idea, but really what you ultimately have to do is you have to kind of like surrender and listen. So you let the ideas flow out and then you look at the idea that you just put out there and you go, oh, and then you start going into the dialogue and you have this character that says something and then you put yourself in the other person's shoes and you respond to that thing and you keep doing this back and forth and you see what comes out. That's amazing. And that will influence, It'll you'll either end up where you want to go or you'll end up somewhere else. But if you had not gone there, you would not have found that other beautiful idea. It's a discovery process. Yeah. So like with my musical, um, we've been developing it for about five years now. Um, we've gone through, we did a big workshop in 2011 and we've done um, uh, the Hollywood Carnival. We performed, it was like a half a million people and we had the main stage and like we went into the New York Fringe and you know the script has gone through a lot of changes. But the really funny thing is the original workshop script, there was one random through line that I needed to tie, just add, like I needed another character to like go with my protagonist and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll add that storyline in, whatever. It was this super, superfluous thing. That storyline is like the main storyline of the current version and it is the only thing from the workshop that has relatively been unchanged That's since. Crazy. And it was a side note in all of my notes and stuff that I wanted to do and things I was playing with. It was this stupid side attraction. And now it is the thesis. Yeah. And I would never have discovered that had I not been willing to play. Yeah. Um, Let it let it come out and let it write itself and see see which ones are calling to you the most, which characters are speaking to you. It's awesome. So that's what people talk about with not um, not judging your work. Yeah. That's another really... Well, that, and that's, that's what's stopping me with this. It's a native... Have I told you anything about it? It's a Native American ghost story. Um, it's based mm-hmm. on Iroquois mythology. My dad's got a camp in the Adirondacks in upstate New York that I kind of wrote this around. And uh, it started off, I was, I was with my nephew, and I told him this ghost story about these campers who uncovered a, a, a Native American burial mound and it ended up mm. being this evil spirit. Um, and then I was like, wow, that would be a really fun movie. So I started doing research into mythology, into the, the Iroquois Nation mythology. And like, so I'm, I'm adding in these myths from Iroquois mythology. And one of them is this giant hairy head with wings and teeth. Mm-hmm. And it's an actual, it's it's a through line through like so many different Native American cultures is this giant head. And I was stuck and I was finally like, all right, I'm putting the, the giant head in this script. And it was hilarious because once the giant head comes into the script, immediately one of my characters was like, is that a Langolier? Like, and it's just because I'm, I'm trying to keep it like realistic as far as like, what would these people actually do or say yeah. in these situations? So, like, the comedy that came out of that, out of just throwing it in there and trying to move forward, it probably won't be in the final script, but 
it's, it, but that's some comic gold. Like mm-hmm. this giant head comes in and there's a Stephen King reference. Like, I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, man. Um, I think we're we're getting pretty uh, pretty far on time here. Um, I just wanted to uh, I want to try to do a little bit of DIY talk um, in these as in these. Well, this is the first episode again. Uh, if you don't remember from when you first started watching it an hour ago, if you're you still can watching, also cut this um, forty five minutes. Oh, 45. That's not bad. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about a DIY dolly that, uh, that I built, Mm. um, that Peter has seen on set and we've used a couple different times. Cost me $50 and, um, I will, uh, post the, the link in the YouTube, uh, video, but basically it's two PVC pipes, 10 foot length. Uh, it's a, uh, flat surface. I actually, the way I, I built this was, I was super broke and trying to build a dolly. I got it in my head that I needed a dolly for some reason. I didn't even have a camera, but Mm. I needed a dolly. And I ripped the top off of a desk in downtown L.A. that I saw. I was like, that's perfect. That's exactly the size for the dolly, the uh, the cart that I need. So it's like uh, probably a two-by-four, two-foot by four-foot platform. And then I found this angle iron in uh, Home Depot that is, you know, the angle iron's like a 90-degree uh, rail, but it already had pre-drilled holes in it, right? So that's a, a huge step if you're going to build this DIY dolly that I'm talking about is finding this angle iron. And I will post everything about it, but the reason it's so cool is once you have that angle iron, you can attach the skateboard wheels just with a nut through these holes and you can attach as many of them as you want because you have all these options for holes. So it makes it super, super um, uh, pliable as far as the different mm. different ways that you can build it. And it's super smooth, um, works really cool. Um, so yeah, check out the link on that. I might even make a little video um, and, and link it uh, there uh, for that. And um, yeah. I think I think I think we're good, man. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Really, really fun stuff, and uh, like to have you on again soon. I would love to be on. Thanks for providing the the space. No problem. Awesome, brother. Cool. See you guys next See time. See you later on the Making It podcast. Uh, you have any any kind of like um, any kind of words of wisdom or uh, any kind of like mantra or. Um, any kind of poem that, you know, anything that's really stuck out with you lately that you've heard or read or seen? Um... Yeah. The best piece of advice anyone has ever given me in this business, and because it is the one that rings the most true, um, there is no way to do this. There's no way to the top. There is no plan. So the idea is whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Um, the only people that succeed in this business are the people that don't quit. That's so true. And that's it. Because there's a lot of people that are in this business that like don't really have much to say, don't really have a lot of talent, don't really, but they just didn't go anywhere. Yep. Um, exactly. And that's that is the defining quality. Is is you know you can be as frustrated, and I talk with my friends all the time of like if I could snap my fingers and I could give you you know, all those jobs that you wanted in your career right now, but it would only last you five years, would you take it? Or 
would you take option B, which is, if I could guarantee you that if you waited 20 more years, you would have a career that would last not only just like the rest of your life, but like would live on decades and decades beyond you. Would you wait? Mm. Would you wait for it? Mm. And they're always like, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, is like, you don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, or if. And if I told you now and gave you the guarantee that it'll be 20 years, you're like, okay, cool. I'll figure out something out yeah. <laughs> for the 20 years. Well, that was something that my that Kelsey and I, like, because, you know, I was professionally acting in Dallas for four years before we came out here. And she was right out of college having get, gotten her bachelor's. And so when she came out here and, you know, we just moved to L.A., didn't know anyone, and, you know, started to realize how hard it was to land gigs, to, you know, make it in the business, she started, you know, she, we, she, we had some really tough times um, as far as, you know, keeping the faith um, with, with the career. But I'll tell you, man, um, we stuck around. Mm. And it has, I mean, full circle to, you know, I told you she's working on the, you know, the Michael Jackson thing right now um, and just worked with Tim Burton in the last year. It's just like insane, insane from crying on our our stoop, mm. you know, to to all these opportunities. Just stick around. That's that's great advice, man. That's that's solid. You also have to know why you're doing it. Yeah. Like, I have a lot of people that I know that I have lost touch with because they wanted to be in the business because they wanted to be famous, which is fine. You know, that's people's things. But, like, they never really loved acting. Yeah. And that is, I've had so many people that have left the industry because of that. Because oh. if you, this is always going to be a roller coaster. Even if you're an A-list celebrity, you yeah. can just all of a sudden not work for three years. It happens all the time. I know... Yeah, I mean, on Zombie Whisper, um, I I hired this actress named Judith McConnell, and she was she's a phenomenal actress, and she was a star of a a soap called Santa Barbara for ten years, mm. and um, when I met her, you know, she she hadn't worked for a while, yeah, and uh, and you've got to know how to how to navigate that. Um, well, you got to know how to navigate it, but you also the thing that helps you navigate it is passion. why you're there. Passion. Well, that's what I'm saying. And she was this. She's this amazing. She was in uh, Purge Anarchy. She stole the show at the end of the film. Mm. Um, she's amazing. And we were working together on on something small. And I told her about Zombie Whisperer, the web series, and she was like, I, "I've been wanting to do comedy again for so long." So I wrote an episode for her, and mm. she loved acting so much that this, like, I mean incredible seasoned just amazing actress came on and and worked for a pittance to do my web series you know just because she loves to do it you know and i got to act alongside that you know it's like where else are you going to get to do that unless you're here sticking it out you know have those opportunities it's cool you gotta you it has to recharge your batteries because really like that's all you're going to have sometimes and you know, the reason why I, I mean, I do so much because I love this all so much. Like I'm constantly doing more projects because I just like acting. I just like performing. I just like writing and I want to spend all my time doing it. Um, I do other things in my life, but like. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't the ma- the majority anything. of things 
I say that because that's some other advice that people have given me. It's like, you got to do other shit, too. you got to be a human being in some of the ways. I'm a human when I'm acting. I'm at my most human. Right. But um, you, you have to love it because that is the only thing that is always going to be there. Yeah. So, like, if you love acting, you can always find a way to act. Yeah. You can pick up a script from the store. You, you can, can print write. up something online. You can read something out loud. You can get a group of people together and do something. So, like, you may not be able to control how your career is going to move forward, but you can always find a way to create. Speaking of getting a group of people together, a thought that occurred to me during this recording session was we should... Because of all the stuff that's going on with casting director workshops right now, we should host a casting director at free parking. We should find yeah. somebody that we'd love to work with, maybe Michael Donovan or um, you know somebody that we all want to uh, get to meet and and uh, you know have them over for coffee or something, see if they'll stop sure. by free parking. I think it'd be I'm fun. I'm always down. Yeah. I, know. I say yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, it's great advice. Stick it out. Because there's so many people, ever since I started acting, that were, I, I was always like, God, you were so talented. I mean, I, I was never that that guy that I, that I, you know, that it came easy to. Um, but they're all gone. Mm. All those people that I'm like, I wish they were still acting because they were brilliant. They would yeah. make me cry in class all the time. They were just... Or they had a look that was just so marketable and so perfect, just gone, you know? It's hard. It's hard to stick it out, but it's worth it. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't quit. That's how you make it. Oh, but um, Threw that in there. And on that note. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, make sure to check out Peter uh, at uh, Peter Berube. Uh, that's com. his uh, Twitter and uh, also his dot com. It's all Peter Berube. Yeah. And uh, check me out at uh, Matt M. Fowler. Um, that's my Twitter and my Instagram. Uh, you can also find uh, short films uh, from Free Parking Films on Facebook. Uh, you can also find them on YouTube. And uh, my production company, uh, my short films, my web series, um, those are all under Mirror Scope Productions. That's my production company. They are on YouTube as well. Check them out. Subscribe, like. Um, any comments you guys have about this? Anything that, you know, you didn't agree with or did agree with? Or... Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Making It with Matt Fowler. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud, and to follow me at Matt M. Fowler on Instagram and Twitter. Also check out PeterBayRube.com and follow him at Peter Bayrube. Thanks for listening. And remember, never give up.